Welcome to Banking Transform, the top podcast in retail banking. I'm your host, Jim Roos, owner and CEO of the Digital Bank Report and co-publisher of the Financial Brand. We're coming to you today from Money 2020 in Amsterdam, where we're talking to two industry leaders about what's going on in the innovation area. The 2023 Retail Banking Trends and Priorities Report found that 60% of financial institutions are meeting the digital needs of consumers through collaboration with fintech companies and third-party providers. But how are these collaborations increasing the speed and scale at which innovation happens? And is that all that's necessary? Is there more to the amazing equation of the innovation besides technology, spending money, and trying to move faster than the consumer? We're going to get to those today. I'm excited to have Claire Kalmajane, the Chief Innovation Officer at Society General, and Thad Vorozilchak, Vice President of Banking and Financial Services at IBM on the Bank Transform podcast. We're going to be discussing how financial institutions are disrupting legacy banking with new ideas and technological advances. When global financial services executives were asked about the ways they were modernizing their technology and digital capabilities, only 18% stated that they were using core providers exclusively. Conversely, 44% stated that they utilized core providers for about 75% of new technology deployments, and 38% relying on third-party or fintech collaborations wherever possible. So welcome to the show, Claire. And Fad, um, before we begin, let me share, let's share a little bit about your backgrounds. You know, Claire, we go back a long ways, and you have a long history in banking, but even a more importantly, a real strong history in the innovation process. So you've gone through a lot of changes. Give you a little background about what your background has been. <laughs> for sure. Thanks, Jim, for having me. Uh, so I'm an IT engineer by background, uh, and then uh, I worked about seven years in uh, consulting. I did a research at MIT on the digital transformation on the very early days. I spent uh, seven years at uh, Lloyds Banking Group in the UK, uh, leading uh, as much as IT teams, as uh, uh, the people transformation that undergo, uh, you know, uh, when you take innovation, uh, then our innovation department and our risk transformation. And about five years ago, uh, I came back in France to work at Société Générale, uh, which is a uh, 100 uh, 120,000 people across the world, uh, 15 line of business, 10 service units. Uh, and for the past five years, I've been leading the digital data and innovation uh, transformation of our retail banking, uh, wholesale banking, and investment banking, and our new mobility pillar. Wow. And how about you, Seth? A little bit about your background at IBM. Probably less impressive on all fronts. <laughs> I, um, I went to university and, and really developed a passion for technology in conjunction with business while there. The degree that I have is, is one that is kind of a cross between computer science and business itself. And so I've spent the past 20 years helping businesses transform um, through the use of technology without having to go so deep and hands-on that, um, that I get caught in, in the mire of that. So um, I'm a father of five and um, a, um, a husband and, and um, Catholic man. And I try and, and just help all of the, the companies that I work with throughout their engagements to make better use of technology um, and, and as a result, make better use of business decisions. So, so Claire, you've been in multiple organizations and I think you probably have as good of an idea as anybody in the business on what are the key components that drive innovation. You know, sometimes we talk about technology and that's, you know, you talked about the people side, but it's far from the only art that we have to worry about. 
what do you see as a really the clear components that make innovation happen right now in the financial service industry? Uh, for me, there are three. Uh, the first one is, I often say, your innovation strategy is as good as your strategy. Uh, so, you know, the thing is, um, you know, innovation is, is just an enabler of your strategy. Uh, it's not something on the side to a dedicated team. It leaves to live within the organization and to become mainstream in terms of new business model or transforming your core business model, which remain for me the most efficient area to generate a PNL or a, a cost optimization. So the first one is really uh, don't do an innovation strategy on the side, thinking, okay, let's look at this crypto or different thing. Make sure uh, you start by integrating in the strategy of the organization. And it comes to my second point, you can then try to iterate that. So the second component is a culture of experimentation. Uh, you know, really, how can you go in very risk-adverse organization in people that more and more are under, you know, crosswind pressures that come from the regulation, from, you know, the past couple of years, interest rates, you know, which are changing, uh, from, you know, the technology uh, transformation undergoing. Uh, how do you, in this context, leverage the components in order to start um, the experimentation, the sandbox, and progressively make it grow and make it stick more and more in your organization. And the last component is for me the people. So, you know, uh, when I started Societe Générale, people were like, oh, yeah, let's hire people from the outside. Let's bring, you know, some uh, fresh mind because Societe Générale also have a lot of homegrown talents that have spent, you know, a couple of years in the organization. It's actually to transform. It will be more important to have people that really understand deep down the organization have the trust of the other people and make sure we align. And from there, you know, get my skill set on AI, on data and open banking and to make sure people get what I call the second leg, you know, the pie shape uh, of, the, uh, uh, of the transformation. So they are very strong in the banking background. Let's bring them the technology background so we can push together the strategy. So building a reskilling program, upskilling program have been part of our strategy and we, we recently uh, delivered uh, a partnership with uh, Harvard in leading in the digital edge or we launched some reskilling program uh, with schools uh, to uh, train some people that are frontline to developers, uh, people that used to be in a back office uh, to become data scientists or data leaders. Uh, so we have a range of, uh, of activities that we are uh, operating. You know, it's interesting. You, you kind of at the beginning said for innovation to work, you have to know your corporate why, because you can get distracted so easily, especially when things are happening so fast, to go for that next, you know, shiny object. The other component, the people side you brought up, is so important because when I've had interviews with others on the podcast, the ones that seem to really get it the best are not only trying to involve everybody in the process, but trying to make everyone feel safe. We forget that you in the innovation area are a threat to the legacy banking organization who thinks they're, they're trying to find a way to, to completely eliminate my position. And you already talked about it. You have to make it so that they realize they can be part of that digital process. So, Thad, you, you visit a lot of financial institutions. You also are at a lot of events where you're talking about the innovation in financial institutions. What do you see as the key components that make innovation work at a financial institution from your perspective, from the organizational perspective. Yeah, and look, I couldn't agree more with Claire in, in that people, process, technology together are what make this work. Um, 
technology on its own is never going to create the outcomes that our businesses uh, desire. But back to something that you just that you just said, and something that I, that we talked about uh, prior to the podcast, which is we're living in an era where, the, for the first time, even the technologists are being outpaced by the technology itself. And that, um, speaking of feeling safe and feeling as if you can can keep up, really goes back to having that purpose that you talked about. And I see that. I see the businesses that have their purpose in mind, their why in mind from the from the beginning, and then are able to translate that throughout the organization, regardless of role, are those that can adapt quickly and take advantage of those new technologies quickly. Not just because they know what they want to do and who they want to be, but they also know who they don't want to be yeah, and what they don't want to do. You can get distracted and that makes it so that people already don't have enough time. That's right. And there's so many places where you could, it's like whack-a-mole, you know, to hit that little animal and you go, how do I keep that in, in place? But that why, it's interesting, from both your perspectives, is if the corporation knows their why, then what's nice is the, cons- the, the other employees. The employees are such a big part of this whole element that if they realize that just because we're innovating doesn't change who we are. That's right. I think when you look at companies like Society General, when you look at IBM, when you look at other companies, and I can name a few other ones, the ones that are doing the best have been able to pivot, but they really haven't lost who they were. You know, I mean, IBM, when you think about it, has lasted a long time, well before my time in banking, which is a long time. But the reality is the organization as, it's, as a whole has not changed who they are, but they changed dramatically how they implement against it. And, you know, we, we talked about it last night a little bit. You can't buy technology to make innovation happen. That's it's right. a lot bigger equation than that. So, yep. Claire, yeah, go ahead. No, we, we did, a, to your point, we did a, a big piece of work in Société Générale around the why and the how. Uh, so about three years ago, uh, we went into redefining our purpose as a company. So, uh, and we were a group of uh, uh, 10 uh, of the management committee to really think about, you know, what do we want to put as a one-line statement uh, that drive us. And uh, we had also young talents uh, that iterated with us and we came back with, uh, uh, we want to build a more sustainable uh, and durable world uh, together with our clients by providing uh, um, sustainable and uh, innovative solutions. So we came back with this sentence and then the question was, um, but how from the purpose, when you put the purpose, it's one step, but then it took us probably 12 to 18 months more I remember our CEO, Frederick, he put me in charge of uh, a working group around execution uh, with uh, one of my counterparts of the management committee, and we could not be more different. You know, I was the innovative mind, and he was very robust uh, in terms of uh, uh, execution, operationalization, and everything. And we had to work together to look at the two phase um, of, of the work. And we came back with, we, we said it to Frederick because a lot of people came, okay, we need to work on human capabilities, your talent, workforce, which is like, you know, super long area of work. And we came back and we said, actually, what's happening is, as I mentioned, Societe Generale have 15 lines of business and 10 service units. And each of these uh, lines have their strategy. So they have their plans, they have their strategy. And the question was, as a group, what are the common components of our strategy and how you define that and you make the execution go in the team. And we deployed uh, about two years ago the OKRs method, objective key reviews that actually drive outcome and values rather than KPIs and uh, team management of millions. 
And that was, you know, that is a journey that takes a long time, but that's one of the core components to execute how do you do it differently. So you talk to your team about the outcome you want to drive. You say, okay, I want, you know, more satisfaction in my SME business. I want to drive, uh, you know, this part of the economy in uh, sustainability and biodiversity. So, and then you say to people, how can you do that with the minimum budget and the maximum effect? How can you reach this target at 80%? You know, what are the solutions? And you start driving differently your finance process and everything. And that's when your transformation have matured a lot, which is your question. Your innovation became completely embedded in your process because, you know, you're driving by purpose. You have the growth mindset at the same time and you drive the efficiency of working collaboratively towards the same target. They are public to everyone. Everyone can see this target. They are part of the management committee uh, incentive. So in digital, I have one. You know, everyone needs to meet uh, one part of uh, uh, digital sales acquisition and uh, data maturity, volume of data, uh, which is there. And that's common for all the teams. So all the team have to work through that. Clara, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think, and, and I see this at IBM, I see it with other financial institutions that I have the pleasure to work with, but it seems like at SockGen, then that makes the trade-offs easier for you, especially as you start to put together the strategy and implementation of that strategy with someone who couldn't be more different. You can view what the core looks like so that you know what the periphery and those changes will look like as well. It probably on the setup is more time consuming, which I think everybody's fearful of, but the payoff for not having to redo or rethink, wait a second, does this align to our values? Are we aligned together? um, Is probably very prominent in the work that you're doing now. Yeah, after I would be very modest in the fact that, as I mentioned, I think it takes a couple of years to go through it. Yeah. And you have to maintain uh, the pace. And as you mentioned, sometimes some of the pitfalls are, it, it's it's quite time consuming right. in terms of engaging, leadership, management. It does require also on some area to evolve your leadership, uh, you know, towards this type of uh, uh, driving with purpose, driving with vitality. Uh, and, you know, that's all the components of the organization that, that need to come together. So we still have a long way to go. <laughs> yeah, you, you know what's interesting too, and I think that I think you, you may find this to be something that, that you see as well is, um, I think when I start thinking about how we talk about AI or data or implementing technology strategies, all that comes into play. So everything that you've put in place from the people standpoint, then you make those same types of decisions and those same types of linkages with your data with the way that you want to automate, with the way that you implement solutions and then the technology on the periphery. So it really is. It goes back to the very beginning. People, process, technology, aligned. And what's nice is, I believe I caught the fact that you said it's not always about the KPIs. That is really getting out of the legacy mindset of saying we need the next quarter to happen. And innovation can't happen that way, even though we can implement against next quarter. Yeah. The reality is those KPIs need to have some long-term bearing. So we make it sound like it's easy, and it's not. What are the biggest challenges that you see, both at Society General, but elsewhere in banking, that stands in the way of good innovation? What one or two that you say, that, that usually is a stumbling block? Yeah, I, I often say, you know, my job is uh, to take my glasses and to put them on, uh, on, the, on the head of the CEOs of, of our business line and to work with them in partnership to say, look at it this way and what I mean by that is I think the first pitfall is 
when your innovation or transformation department, you know, uh, uh, don't align sufficiently with the business, that could be one, one pitfall that I see. So you really need to get this partnership right from the outset to say, okay, let's work like that. A second one is obviously, how do you bring the outside innovation? So how do you work through partnerships? You know, I, I like this example because, you know, Sundar Pichai, the CEO of Google, about three years ago, he went on stage, he said, the future of Google is AI. You know, I'm going to put all my energy on that. We knew it's a, it's a key area for Google because about 95% of their ge- revenue generation is on ads. And it was important to diversify through AI products for the long term, this area. Very interesting is that it was not Google, you know, creating, yeah. uh, even if they have bought, but it was not them creating a, a chat GPT. It was a startup started by a very brilliant man, but it was still a startup called OpenAI that probably had less resistance, much more open field funding in order to do that. And now this innovation is going to be brought to the market in partnership with Microsoft. And Microsoft, which you know didn't take necessarily this as proactive approach as Google, so it was part of their DNA to do AI product, but they gain advantage from being able to do the partnership. And for me, that, that's a real example of very large-scale innovation, which is going to be, to be uh, brought to the market um, you know, in a very secure way. So Microsoft will leverage uh, their security, their uh, customer base, and ChatGPT their innovation. It's the same for Ubuntu. You know, we have our trust, we have our customer base, uh, we have no intention of changing the trust business model, which is at the heart. We need to find the right partners, and we have done couple in Société Générale, in insurance with uh, Shift Technology, uh, in uh, data with uh, Data IQ to expose all the data platform. Uh, you know, we, we have a range of partnership in a, a correspondent banking. We work with Kiriba to exploit a working capital in the smaller area. We have a partnership with OneUp to do a, a, the dashboard of the uh, future leaders. So we have managed to deploy these partnerships. Now, all the efforts, especially over the last three years, have been how do we scale them? How do we make sure we scale and we measure the value? You know, it's interesting. We talked about this last night, Ed, is that what's interesting about the partnerships right now in the industry is that, number one, organizations realize they can't do it alone. And they, the only way they can go speed and scale is to find the specialists that can get them where they want to go, even if their core may say they can do certain things. You're, you have to find those partners that can get you there the most efficiently. And you're going to live to make it better as you go along. I think the other thing you, we talked about last night was the fact that we are going to bring to the table partners that we think can do it better than us, which makes the best partner when you know that they're not going to say, no, no, we can do that. We can do that. But sometimes it's best to say, who works best with us to implement for our clients? Yes. And that's authentic, authenticity, authenticity, but it's also efficiency. So from your perspective, Thad, what are the challenges you see in the marketplace as organizations try to implement things? Is one of them possibly trying to do too much as opposed to trying to compartmentalize their solutions? Or what, what have you seen? Yeah, I think it could, be, it could be that in a way. And I agree again with Claire, the way that, that you set up the, um, the thought of alignment of people, alignment of thought, and then realizing what your core competencies are versus what you will have to bring in. And I love the Microsoft OpenAI example. It's an example of a great partnership. At IBM, we have several great partnerships, Microsoft being one of them. Um, And we know that 
um, for SockGen or for any of our, our customers, there's going to be that want and desire to have the best solution possible for your customers. So you're going to put the pieces together um, in your mind that align to your values, that align to the way that you want to go to market. Um, and so there's a ton of respect for that. I'd say more than respect. There's a huge investment from IBM to make that happen. But you think about that, that wasn't the way banking used to be. No. You know, you, you either were this house that, or you were this house, or you either did it this way or that way. I mean, I remember yeah, that, back in your past where you're, you're doing a complete core conversion. Yeah. There's virtually nobody doing complete core conversions right now because you can compartmentalize those solutions to make it so that you don't trip up on the, on the little thing. And right now the economy kind of dictates that. But yeah. Yeah, go ahead. But, no, but traditionally, innovation was about having the best talent putting a pot of money and saying, like, let's go and do it. Yes. And this in our world, with the pace of technologies that you were mentioning, yes. cannot exist anymore. You know, we have to understand our core components and to partners on, on the other area. And the last challenge for me that I mentioned, and we just touched on a little bit, is the value. You know, at one point, we have to be realistic. It's not, having, it's not about having the shiny object. That's right. It's what you were mentioning around rationalizing your innovation path, scaling it up, making it big, and also looking at the numbers. Because it cannot be, especially in the banking sector at the moment, just a gross game where you invest a lot. And I, I even believe for large companies that have large R&D departments, it's the same challenges, you know, that have much more uh, funding than we can. So looking at the value, finding the money, and very, 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 being very pragmatic is important. And you go back to the partnership with the business here, because if you work about generating growth, most of the time, it will be incremental to your business. We have to be realistic. The, the best transformation is a transformation of the core business through the digitalization and AI data lever that do deliver in two, three years. I have the oversight of new business model, but these are business models that will uh, settle in a, in a window of five to 10 years. So it's much more longer. It takes more risk. And you also have to you know, validate this strategy with your board. What's important in all these components is to really understand them and manage them and articulate them in your strategy. Because a lot of time, the challenges I see is you start working on banking as a service, but you are like, oh yeah, I'm going to monetize my mortgage, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, system, uh, my mortgage uh, warehouse. Uh, I'm going to manage my, uh, uh, you know, uh, current account warehouse, and I'm going to monetize that as a bank as a service. But guess what? The fintechs, you know, are not necessarily interested. Even if you have a superburn giant for your 10 million clients in retail or 20 million clients in retail, they are looking for different types of components and maybe your appreciation of the go-to-market is not exactly, uh, you know, uh, the right one. So it's really, how can you, you know, articulate as much as possible as part of the strategy? This is what is important for us. This is where we are going. Claire, I think that, I think that what you just said is so spot on. Jim, when you asked earlier about the challenges that I see, it's just that. It's not what do we do or is the technology available but back to again what do we not do because there are so many things that you could possibly do starting with knowing who you are back to the beginning of, of what we've talked about almost this whole time is beginning with that why knowing who you are having that disseminated throughout your organization throughout your partnership ecosystem and then defining what your core competencies are where you have needs and gaps will define your technology strategy, your business strategy, the strategies that you deploy throughout. So I, it sounds like you guys are doing it at SockGen and Spades, um, but I still see that as a very large challenge for others because I can't tell you how many 
customers I, I interact with that even in the C-suite will say, well, what should we do about X or Y or Z? And you would almost think that those things might be predefined, that they might have a notion of where that would go, but so many are struggling. It's, it's almost like us personally. Um, you go to the supermarket aisle and there's 500 different types of you know, breakfast cereal, or you, you turn on the television and there are 300 channels. We're all accustomed to being overwhelmed with choices, and in the business world, making the right choices, understanding yourself, is going to make the difference between success and failure. And, and the good news is we now have the ability through partnerships to compartmentalize our solutions. So yeah. if, you know, when I, I, people say, what is the first thing we have to do? I, I usually go to the most basic thing. I go, how fast is your new account opening process? Yeah. And they'll go, about 12 minutes. I go, unless it's three to five minutes, you're, you're failing because you're not generating new accounts that are available to you. And then what happens is they pick a partnership that can get them there, and they get in the way by saying, oh, I liked everything you did, but I, I'm going to make this one rule stay in place. And that one rule is that five-minute item that adds to that. Oh, we need the government ID to start. That's you go, right. there's a better way to do it. So, so Claire, as Society General, instead of staying on the negatives, what are some of the most the, the gratifying success you've had from the innovation process, either Society General or in the past that you say, you know, th- maybe it's because the challenge is so great and you accomplished something. What are, what are some of the, the claims to fame? <laughs> I mean, it's a good question. The reality is the claim to fame is often uh, when the business claim it. <laughs> well, and, and by the way, the claim of fame for that day. And then the next day, I'm, I'm accountable for the failure. <laughs> when it fails, it's always my problem. Right. <laughs> Claire, mayday, mayday. <laughs> no, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's part of the job. But I think, you know, um, things, uh, things I'm... Uh, I'm really proud of over the time is actually my teams, <laughs> my teams and and the digital leaders that have grown uh, across and that, that these are people that often um, and and they are all edge. You know, in my team today, you have people that are uh, 60, 58, uh, uh, 42, 40. You know, that are my direct reports. So they come for different horizons and um, uh, you know they 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 engage to change. You know, to learn new things. You know, they are having very big job or the, the managing director of SG Venture or fund. Uh, he used to be the financial director of the investment bank. So he used to have a you know, really huge position. So somehow he take a risk and I think you know, he took the reward in the risk. And over my career, I've seen people you know, engaging in digital, engaging in data, taking a risk from a traditional career and actually flourishing. You know, a lot of my uh, uh, team at Lloyd's, they, they, they are still in Lloyd's or they work in other organizations. They are head of digital uh, of very large organization, um, and that builds a network. And often, you know, they come back to talk to my teams because transformation is hard. You know, transformation is an ungrateful job. You know, it never ends. Yeah. You know, people are like, when are you satisfied? I'm never satisfied. Never. And I'm always curious. And I always want to know about crypto and banking as a service uh, uh, and different things. So really, for me, the first part is my teams and all these people that have managed to make a step and say, actually, there is something here, and I want to evolve my career, and I still want to learn, even if I'm 60 years old, there is something here that I will manage to leverage uh, and to build my career on. I think the, the second uh, um, thing was really, and it stayed around people. I remember at Lloyd's, uh, my boss was all about 
let's do something. Let's do an experiment. Let's build, you know, a touch ID or biometric authentication. I remember if you look on the internet, we did a, a vein authentication for banking. You know, you have to put your blood or you know, it was a bracelet, you know, tapping oh, wow. your pulse, saying like it was, it was a PR experiment. That yeah. was like everyone was like, that's fantastic. I said to my boss, you know, our first pair experiment will be the digital espresso. I don't know if you remember them, but uh, it was actually a 30 minute shot of people outside the organization coming, standing up for 30 minutes and preparing, uh, talking about innovation. And the first uh, digital espresso was someone from a small company, a startup at the time being in 2018 called PayPal. (laughs) And they were doing payments, (laughs) you know, on digital and experimentation. And I remember I, I, I booked a very small room intentionally to the point that the room was completely full at the third one and everyone was standing up around the thing. And I said, like, yeah, look, something is going on. So it was a cultural experimentation. It was to spark interest. And when I left Love's Digital Espresso were recast and they were watched by 15,000 people uh, all the time. There was cinema where people were just curious about what's going on outside. Amazing. And I hope since then, they, you know, they're gone and something else have taken in the cultural place. But for me, you know, that shows that a lot of time people are focused on the what. But actually, what's important is the how. And that's what we have been talking, talking is you have your why, you have your purpose. The what's actually, you, you cannot identify very well what will be the future of banking. We can have hypotheses, you know, will we go in retail for a dissociation of banking as a platform, banking as a service? Maybe, you know, could Google cha- you know, challenge the trust of banking and become your primary facing? I don't know that. And there is no proof and evidence that it will happen. Uh, so I think finding the what is always, you know, you have to make a couple of strategic bets and stick to them rather yes. than, you know, looking at the forest and trying to pick up on each of the trees. But what is sure is uh, how you do it is very important. You need to do it for cheap. We ne- you need to break the culture for this, you know, very long project of two, three years before you can see something. You need to enter the experimentation. And that's very unsettling for people that all their life have been managing risk. So you need to create the right environment to say, this skill set, how do they... even managing risk, avoid you. I would not right. say that. Yeah. Our business remains to manage the risk. <laughs> but, but, but that's a big transformation to go from avoiding risk, which traditional banks do, to managing risk. That's, a, that's a, such a different aspect for a lot of organizations. You know, Sad, when we, we look at the banking industry as a whole right now, the world is changing so fast, and it's so exciting. There's so many opportunities out there. What do you see as the biggest opportunity in the innovation field in financial services today as we look, we can only call, talk about short term because we've, sure. we've realized certainly over the last five years that you don't want to go too far into the future because it's going to change. That's right. You know, I, I think, Jim, it's going to sound a little boring on the face of it, but it's one of those things that goes back to if, if we understand the why and then we're solving for the what, the variable becomes the how. And I think that, you know, the variable that that still goes unaddressed for a large part throughout the industry is the the customer. Um, What we do with our customer interactions really matters. The interesting thing is the companies that I work with on on a regular basis, they have a lot of the tools in place to really address customer need, not with new product, 
but just just with the understanding, everything from that account opening that that takes you said 12 minutes. I would have been happy with my recent experience if it was 12 minutes. It was more like 12 days, which was crazy. But because switching costs are low, and because we've moved to such a digital environment um, post COVID, where everyone expects, especially in the retail area, digital to be on par with the rest of their digital experiences. There's this opportunity gap that I see that can be filled through customer experience. And, and that's really driven by the data that's, that's already there, that we already have about our, our customers in droves, that if when we're aligned, we can tap into. When we understand the why, we know where to tap into. And then really applying that through um, automation of process and, and other technology um, solutions that can be used to, to really increase that experience. I would say, I'd venture to say, and, and Sakjian being the, the, the exception, that if you go to the majority of the big banks, they're still, and you look through the digital experience, which has become the, the retail branch and, and the way that we interact, there's still something there. So I think um, as, as tried and true as it may be, you may, have, you may have done a podcast in 2016 where someone said customer experience. I still think there's a lot left in CX. I think it goes beyond UI and really digging into how you make the most of data automation and AI. Seriously, you, 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 you presented an opportunity at the same time talking about the risk, which what I heard was the risk is we are many times trying to deliver a digital experience without fixing the back office that's Amen. still analog, yes. for lack of a better term. Yes. And and what happens is the customer feels it now. You know, I yeah, away yeah, from yeah. a regular digital or a, 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 a cable box at my home in Cleveland to my other home having a streaming service and realizing the different experience is massive. Yes. Every consumer, every small business, every corporation understands what's possible. So what do you see as the biggest opportunity in the bank in the industry right now as we try to wrap this up? Yeah, I mean, I'm, to not repeat what Chad just said, because I think customer experience and uh, optimizing, uh, you know, uh, your front-to-back journey uh, remain the biggest opportunity. Uh, and, you know, in Sugen, when I joined, we had about um, 5% in digital sales, about a little bit less than that. And by 2025, we'll sell about 45% of our product online. And our customer acquisition will be above uh, 60%. So, uh, you know, that's quite impressive number when you look at the, the short period of time of making it very efficient. Um, and we're also driving the NPS and the adoption. But for me, if I look at the innovation side, we decided to work on two areas of the business. The first one was uh, on crypto. Uh, and we launched a platform called Forge, uh, which basically uh, revamp all your uh, uh, trading chain from your primary market to post-trade where there is a lot of hands-off, uh, you know, uh, at the moment on doing the emission, the clearing, the settlement, the custodian. And that w- now we have uh, developed, a, you know, a platform based on the blockchain technology um, and uh, in French, the, the pilot regimes that emit a digital token, a security token, uh, which enable us to do emission, uh, but also soon settlements. And uh, we've created the um, uh, convertible, which is a stable coin, which you need to be uh, authenticated for. Huh? So I'm talking about uh, something for FI clients yeah. uh, in order to convert uh, then your digital token in uh, euro or dollars or different areas. So that's really a, a very innovative business model that still have to find their foot. Uh, but we are attentively looking at that and that we are using part of the component delivered of this platform to look further in correspondent banking, in global transaction, what can we do? Is there is a faster way to do emission or uh, in the security services business, 
we leverage part of the platform in order to offer new services and new offer for the custodian, for funds that may have security token uh, type of area, and why not utility tokens or other type of tokens. Where we are not going at all is a cryptocurrency area, so we don't, we don't do anything uh, uh, at Suggen because we find it's very volatile asset. Uh, and uh, to date, on top of that, regulators, uh, European-wise, um, have not been very clear uh, around the, uh, the implementation. Plus, we didn't find, uh, you know, a, a natural area. The second area where, you know, we're really looking is the bank as a service. So we bought in 2019 uh, a startup called Trezor, uh, which provides all the infrastructure uh, and the card capabilities uh, for neo banks, but also for corporates. Uh, in order to be much more agile. So it's bank in a box. Huh? It's like uh, what you can find from the Starling bank in a box or uh, other components. And uh, after four years of hard work of integrating into Societe Generale, I believe we have a very strong player. We had a MasterCard entering in equity uh, with us. So we are the preferred uh, uh, bus distribution uh, on the MasterCard uh, network in Europe. Um, and, you know, we're, we're very proud of uh, this journey together and they are here with us at uh, Money 2020. Uh, but on the back of that, we also decided to launch a, a BAS e-commerce program, which have delivered their first platform, which is really there uh, when, uh, uh, you know, you are buying something, uh, you know, on Internet, uh, you come to this uh, payment loan page, uh, which sometimes could be quite old school with identification. So not just without, um, you know, payment gateway in order to uh, be uh, this uh, payment page and uh, the acquisition, but we are also delivering the other part of the e-commerce suite with credit to be given as part of the uh, marketplace uh, for their clients or for their small merchants with data prediction of their stock and how they are going to sell. So we are making a huge step on this area. So I'm talking about two projects which are Let's be honest, uh, uh, still at the stage of development in Société Générale, but there's the visibility of uh, uh, our management committee, of the board, the sponsorship. And for me, I, I strongly believe these are areas of growth uh, which are significant for retail bank and also for investment bank. Well that. You know, it, it, great way to end it. Claire, Fan, thank you so much. I think it's what the major takeaway here is innovation is about people. Innovation about starting to know your, having to know your why to get anywhere at speed and scale. And it was very interesting, your answer to my question around what's the biggest innovation you've been involved in. It was about teamwork, which was not what I, I expected an idol. But again, that gets back to the way I remember you for more than a decade ago, that you were never the, you were the leader, but you were never the person, meaning that it was my ideas. To take the power of the team, especially innovation, to go corporate-wide and take in the input from all areas that are many times much closer to the consumer than we ever were, and to really take that into account. And then, as you said, that to avoid the challenges that can get in your way that are small that need to be solved to be able to move forward and not to overthink the problem to deliver the solution. Both of you, thank you so much. Appreciate you taking some time out of your, your day at Money 2020 here in Amsterdam. An amazing amount of things to see. And I think when we come back, we are come back at the end of the event, we probably come up with new ideas because there's, there's a lot on the floor. But thank you so much. I appreciate your time. And Jim, we only mentioned regulators once. <laughs> yes, we had to. And, and, anyway, if, and actually, that's a challenge to a degree because in most countries, the regulators are the legacy bankers. We have to, as organizations, think, 
what do the regulators want to achieve yeah. and even build around that and know that, you know, we're in the right direction. That's right. Yep. That's Thank right. you very much. Thanks, Thank Jim. Thanks, Claire. Thanks for listening to Banking Transform, the winner of three international awards for podcast excellence. If you enjoy what we're doing, please give our show some love in the form of a positive review. It helps getting guests like we had today. Also, be sure to catch my recent articles on the financial brand and the research we're doing on the Digital Bank Report. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thank you to our senior producer, Leah Hassage, audio engineer, Sean Roll Hoffman, and video producer, Will Prince. And a special thank you to Carson Masterson from IBM who came and worked on the, all the digital and transformational process we have here today with the video podcast. I'm Rose Jim Rose. Thanks for being with us. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.